the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn, uh, if you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up a uh, line of credit is when you don't need it, so that when you are uh, needing it, you have it in place. Today, I am excited to be speaking with John Sessa. Currently, Dr. John Sessa is the executive director of the Vanderpump Dog Foundation and co-founder of Vanderpump Pets and Lisa with Lisa Vanderpump and Ken Todd, and has released the documentary The Road to Yulin which is uh, Dr. Sessa's directorial writing and producing debut, highlighting the tortuous journey many dogs and cats endure on the road to the slaughterhouse in Asia. Dr. Sessa also founded Organics of Chicago, a nonprofit that works with growing healthy neighborhoods, lives, and lifestyles through the best of green innovation and social responsibility. Dr. Sessa has a BA, MBA, and Doctorate of Business Administration degree. As a first-generation American, John speaks several languages, including Italian, Spanish, and English, and has always been passionate about international cultures, as well as renewable energy and animal rights. John, I'd like to welcome you today to the Nonprofit MBA Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here as well. And for our listeners, that everybody should know that John is actually not only doing the podcast, but he's handling 11 puppies right now in the back. So we might hear a little, uh, you know, well, I don't think we call it barking, you know. Yeah, they're, they're, might- little, they're little moans, guys. Sorry if I'm a little slow today. I've been up all night. Uh, I have a, a, a rescue center in, in Los Angeles and... Uh, I had a, a stray mom, it's a lab mix, about 50 pounds, come in, and she uh, was in labor, and she gave birth throughout the night to 11 of <laughs> our healthy puppies. So I'm really excited, a little tired, but very excited. Are they all 11 puppies spoken for? Oh, gosh, no, not yet. Not yet. Huh. So VanderpumpDogs.org in eight weeks, and, and uh, you can check them out. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, know, I actually know somebody who, who's looking for a lab mix, so yeah. Um, all right, good. Uh, so t- let's get into today's, today's topic, it, uh, which is uh, just a great topic. I, uh, it's very unique. Uh, that's what I kind of really like about it. Uh, it's called building a for-profit model to help your nonprofit's cash flow. So, John, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about this topic and you know uh, what 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 it is about? Well, I think that there's there's a there's a lot to go into it to be honest, and and I think it kind of starts with the fact that 
you know, it, it, a lot of nonprofits nowadays, and I've seen them um, have unbelievable missions and unbelievable uh, concepts and, and business philosophies. But at the same time, you know, economic recessions, uh, donors that pass away that, you know, leave it to their family that don't feel the same passion um, that they have, you know, have really hurt a lot of foundations that I've come to love uh, and, and even, you know, making them go out of business. So when I started Organics of Chicago and when I started uh, the Vanderpump Dog Foundation, I wanted there to be uh, a, a financial independence factor that, that went in there. And I think that's kind of where... Uh, a for-profit brain and a not-for-profit heart come into play where you kind of have that yin and yang. Um, uh, so, so that's been kind of the basis that, that I've tried to do with a, a, a lot of my endeavors is, is have it kind of be a for-profit uh, model with everything kind of going back to the not-for-profit so that you don't have to rely solely on, on the kindness of your donors. So let's give a real example of vendor pump right now uh, and, and and talk about how the what you're talking about in regards to the for profit model. Yeah. So uh, what we did, we established, uh, obviously, our mission statement and our mission statement is to affect change uh, on three different levels. Legislation. So we have um, written ourselves and passed two bills with Congress uh, to date. Uh, grassroots, which is... Um, our, our LA movement uh, and, and our international movement as far as actually going on the ground and, and rescuing dogs and then awareness. And that's, um, you know, through our documentary. And obviously my uh, partner is a, a reality television star in her own right. So um, because of, you know, Lisa Vanderpump and, and the Bravo followers, uh, we do have kind of a, a, a big voice. Um, that being said, I really kind of wanted something, a, a caveat that I ran into with my business partner is, you know, on, television and on reality television, she is, you know, driving her Rolls Royce and, and has her two, you know, $20,000 bags. And, and that's amazing for her image. But at the same time, for a nonprofit, a lot of people say, you know, it's hard for donations to roll in because they say, oh, well, Lisa should kind of uh, be supporting the foundation wholeheartedly where, you know, when we're trying to be uh, an international organization, you know, there's tens of millions of dollars that go into a, a large organization like this. So um, I really wanted to focus our efforts on building a business model that was somewhat sustainable. So we ended up doing a flagship location in Los Angeles that offers uh, a retail section. So we do everything uh, from T-shirts, hats, uh, magnets for humans, uh, slippers to everything for dogs. So carriers, collars, leashes, uh, portable bowls, things like that. So that uh, when people come in and they want to adopt, they don't just adopt, they end up falling in love with the, the brand and the merchandise. Uh, we also wanted, obviously, to have a community involvement. So we have uh, all local and, and not local, but all, you know, uh, sourced uh, products and kibble uh, treats in our food department. So we offer... Um, also grooming. So we call it Vanderpuff. So it, it, it's really become a, a community uh, flagship. And basically what we're able to do now is get about 65% of our revenue um, from our day-to-day -day activities. So then uh, about 35% of our thirty-five percent of our revenue is through our events. So what yeah. I found is that that allows our donors, um, especially the larger donors that are giving the larger amounts, um, and, and as amazing as, as larger nonprofits are, sometimes it can be a, a drop in the bucket. Whereas, you know, if, if our overhead is basically covered and the day-to-day -day, um, marketing, that kind of stuff is covered through 
our events and our, our flagship store, when we do end up getting those, those donors, they really like the idea of saying, okay, I want it to go to your China efforts and I want it to build this shelter, or I want it to, you know, go on to this and have this be a new program that is going to be an ongoing thing. So it's really um, been a, a huge perk for, for, for our donors and something that has allowed people to kind of come back because they've seen what their money has gone to. Well, it's great because they get, they, like you, you said, they, they can kind of play off each other. I mean, I mean, do you have people who actually come to you to buy your merchandise that have never really donated and then vice versa? And then they just kind of, then you can kind of, you know, communicate with them on, you know, the other thing that they haven't done yet. Exactly. So the some people are coming to see merchandise that, you know, is Vanderpump Dogs and they want to have their little legacy or or they're coming in from Chicago and they see the show. So they want to come in. Obviously, before the pandemic, we had a, a lot of foot traffic of people that were coming from all over that would do what they call the Vanderpump Crawl. And they would do uh, Lisa's restaurants and they would obviously come here to play with dogs. Um, or, or, or buy merchandise, and then they would end up donating. Or, uh, you know, people would say, oh my gosh, I can't believe that 50% or 100%, 50% of our grooming and 100% of all of our, our merchandise goes back to the dog. So they're able to get their dog groomed and know that, you know, they're going to be saving more lives. So they'd come to us rather than, you know, go to the, the, the other neighborhood groomer. So it's really, like you said, it's been a really a, a great vertical integration for, for all different aspects. Yeah. Did you do this? Did, um, did you do it the same thing, you know, with the organics of Chicago? Yeah. So, so the idea, the concept behind organics of Chicago is, uh, again, to have a revenue producing model. So on the ground floor, it's uh, a sustainable urban farm. Um, so everything from fresh grown produce, uh, or arugula and tomatoes and everything grown on vertical, um, uh, vertically integrated, uh, different hydroponic systems. And that basically becomes the revenue source for the upstairs, which is the, the apartment complex. And that houses, whether we're working with domestic violence survivors, uh, veterans, um, they stay upstairs, work below, and then the profits that are garnered from basically the grocery store that you make uh, made of locally grown, obviously it's grown there, organic produce, that goes back to feeding the, 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 the foundation so that, you know, you can survive again, about 50 to 65% on your day-to-day -day revenue of your operations. Then you have your events, you know, that, that allow to have that extra 35 to 40%. So that, like I said, you know, your benefactors have the ability to say, you know, I want to expand or I want to, I want to put a little bit of cushion in your bank account to make sure that this, this program lasts. Yeah. 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 It's great. I mean, so many of the nonprofits, I mean, I know one in particular that, um, that I, I, I actually kind of work with and they, uh, you know, they try to do this type of for-profit model, but the executive director is just not a business person. Right. You know, and the, you know, the ideas that they, that, that she kind of comes up with are kind of like, you know, let's sell buttons. And I'm right. like, it's not going to work. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's where it comes in with when you have to have, you kind of have that combination of the for-profit brain with the not-for-profit heart. And, and it really, it really is kind of a, a specialty, but I, I really think that it's, it's, it's something that when I was doing organics of Chicago now, seven years ago, yes, yeah, six and a half years ago, 
it was something that was really kind of relatively, as far as smaller nonprofits were concerned, really wasn't really happening and, and really didn't even, people really didn't look highly on it. They were like, what do you mean you're charging people and you, you have a, but that's a for-profit. I'm like, but no, it is a for-profit model, but 100% of the proceeds go back to still what the not-for-profit mission. Yeah. So I think people to wrap their head around that really um, is a hard concept, but it's getting more and more common these days, which is encouraging. Hey, listen, but for you who has a passion for this, uh, you, you, I don't mean a passion for the uh, for-profit model. I mean, a passion for helping animals and, you know, previously for your, your, your organics of Chicago work. What, listen, you, you just care about the results, right? Exactly. However, however we can have money in the bank to do the good that we need to do is, is, is golden for me. So and, yeah, and I don't want to, yeah. And I don't want to exaggerate to say, of course, you know, you don't, you, you, you're not beg, steal, you know, do the horrible things, you know, these are all things that people were going to buy anyway. Right. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and I think my, my biggest problem is, is really asking for it. So it's, it's really the kind of thing where, okay, if you're coming in here, we're providing merchandise, we're providing grooming services, we're providing food, and yet everything goes back to the dogs. Okay, that's amazing for me. I sleep amazing with that. And then if we're having an event, we have World Dog Day every year, and that's about 4,000 people going to basically an outdoor carnival um, to celebrate dogs. This is, again, before the pandemic. Or the gala. You know, you, you, you pay a certain amount of money to get a fabulous seat. You get a black tie. You're around a bunch of L.A. celebrities. And it seems like it's a win-win. So whenever I can kind of provide a win-win environment for everybody, it seems like that's, you know, wonderful. So if that can provide 100% of our overhead, and then, yeah, we, it's wonderful to find those gracious people that, that will give you that extra fifty or 100000 that you really need to put that cushion in. Did, did Lisa uh, Vanderpump bring you on board because of that for-profit model that you had at Organics of Chicago? No, you know, it, it was, it was ironic. I was moving from Chicago to LA after I was finishing my doctorate and I, and I had organics going and, and I met her through mutual friends and we were, we were actually working on a for-profit model for collars and leashes called Vanderpump Pets. And, um, we got sidetracked when she found out about the Yulin dog meat festival that occurs in China every year. And, um, we, we kind of started this, this nonprofit together. We, we organized a March and it was filmed on real housewives of Beverly Hills that she was filming at the time. And I remember I, they, they film. And then about five months later is when it airs. And I was working in, um, you know, an upstairs office at one of their restaurants. And I woke up and, and had about 15,000, uh, emails for t-shirts. I, I, I was trying to make, you know, just enough to pay rent on the, on t-shirts shipping it from my office. And so I had these stop you and forever t-shirts for sale. And that's kind of how the, the for-profit model even started. Hey, I'm going to sell a couple t-shirts. I woke up and I had 15,000 orders. Oh. So I was like, okay, well not only do I, do I have my work cut out for me, but this gives me a little bit of extra capital. And then I just been rolling it really ever since. Obviously. Were you scared? Oh, I mean, I think fear is, 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 uh, I don't know if I'm not a little bit scared then I'm not doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, I forgot my next question. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you about the, um, 
Oh God, I can't, I know I want to ask you about the road to Yellen, but let's, let's cover that right now. I just, you know, I know you and I, so at full disclosure, John is, uh, John's comp, uh, organization on, uh, is a client of ours. So he has a line of credit with us for Vanderpump that, uh, and, uh, and he's a new client. And, and so John, uh, you know, when, when we were talking before to get his line of credit in place, he was telling me a little bit about, um, uh, China and how they they uh, they have a festival for dog eating where they eat dogs and uh, so maybe you could shed some more light on that, John. Yeah, so Lisa was uh, scrolling through Twitter. She has like two and a half million followers, and so of course she gets a lot of feeds. And we were uh, starting Vanderpump Pets, so we were infiltrating that kind of market a little bit, and. Um, she clicked on the Yulin dog festival and she thought it was something celebrating dogs. And, and it, and it was this torturistic act, um, in China in 2009, they had an international food festival. Um, and, uh, crispy dog was the winner of the, of the, 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 the taste, the taste test. And so, and the chef was from Yulin. So in 2010, they thought they would capitalize on the first time that they had gotten any real recognition um, it's a, it's kind of a, to China, a small town, two or 2.5 million people. So about the size of Dallas, but it's in the middle of nowhere, really. So it's kind of a, it doesn't have a, a fast train that goes to it. Uh, it doesn't have a big airport. And obviously with censorship, they, the, the, the Chinese government really kind of censors everything. So we, I, we really kind of delved in to try and, you know, kind of bring awareness and Lisa started, you know, shouting it from her Twitter account. And basically what it is, is it's 10 days where they kind of celebrate eating dog and what has um, turned into, uh, you know, them beating the dog because the uh, adrenaline they say makes the meat more tender. Um, men eat it because uh, it, it's a, it's a, a natural Viagra, they say, uh, you know, so there's a lot of uh, Eastern medicine that goes into the thought process of eating dog, but it is a fairly new, uh, concept and the festival only started in 2010. So since we've been fighting now, we started getting on the forefront, uh, 2015, 2016. And we really, um, since then we've been able to minimize it to obviously last year with the pandemic going on, we, there were really no signs of it. So it's been, uh, it's been an amazing journey being able to see, you know, some activists start on something and a mission and they, they, they die trying to end it. And, and we've been able to kind of curb it and move on to Southeast Asia and move into, you know, North Korea, South Korea, not North Korea, I'm sorry, South Korea, Vietnam, um, and, and their dog meeting. But yeah, it's, it's a fairly common practice in China, but really the celebrating of it was something that we couldn't, you know, wrap our head around. And yeah. So, and the torch, the torture of the dog and everything like that, you know, that's, that's really, them alive, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the, coming back to our subject matter, thanks for sharing that. I, I kind of wanted to cover that because uh, I thought it was very interesting, uh, you know. But but coming back to the subject matter is let, let's say you have an executive director who really, you know, isn't really that great with business. Um, you know, when it comes to like a for profit model, they see the value in it and they don't have an objection to it. But they say, you know what, um, I'm just not really that great at that idea. Uh, what would you suggest that someone like that do? I would say honestly invest in 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 somebody that that has that for profit uh, model, and then if they are 
more of the heart and they want to have, because I do, I have a lot of friends that I've, I've kind of approached this that have had, that do have nonprofits and they've said to me, you know, John, I like it. I love the idea, exactly what you said, but that business side doesn't really relate to me. And even my employees, I have a, you know, a hard time with the hardcore dog rescuers that hate the retail aspect. But what I keep on saying to them is, you know, I know that you want to rescue more dogs. I know you want to save more lives. And I know you want to go to the shelters all day. And, and I do as well. But at the same time, you have to have balance and, and, and selling that t-shirt and selling that water bottle and, and, and getting that grooming appointment actually allows us with that $200 allows us to spay and neuter. So that's a life that we're saving, you know? And, and so I, I think that when you're putting it in that mind, so I think it is a good investment. If you are not inclined to doing that, finding somebody to partner with, that that is a that's a great idea i mean i hadn't thought of that but just partnering with a for-profit company that has a similar product or mission yep uh, that makes a lot of sense and everybody is about social responsibility now and i don't think and and granted i wouldn't say everybody but they they should be yes they should be right a a lot of people and thankfully, being socially responsible is is in right now. So it's not the majority, but I, you know it, it, it is popular. And so I do, you know, if a lot of the companies that I've approached, even before I had the Lisa Vanderpump name behind me and and was dealing with organics, everyone really not everyone, but a lot of people were really inclined to saying, yeah, I, I want to. So again, going back to your question, if you really are not for profit, don't be down on yourself because you have an amazing heart and and I'm and and an amazing mind to save. Uh, altruistic mind to save, but at the same time, you know, partner, like you said, partner with a company that has a similar mission and, and then see how a portion of their proceeds can, can help you. You know, John, through this podcast, I, you know, I, I bring on a lot of guests, right? So I'm always searching for guests. I have people contacting me to come onto the podcast and I have yet, and I have a lot of, most of the people who come on the podcast are, are consultants who work with uh, nonprofits. I have yet to come across a a uh, consultant who specializes in helping a nonprofit with a for-profit model. So you could do that. <laughs> hey, I'm, 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 and uh, hey, if it's about helping people and 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 expanding a mission, I'm I'm all about it. So anybody yeah. advice or or help, please let me know. Well, I guess the other thing you could do too is like, listen, I'm a I'm, I'm definitely an entrepreneur. I've had six companies and over 25 years. And, you know, I, I, I think business, uh, like, you know, I, I've been doing that for a long time. So you could take someone like on your board or somebody else that, you know, who is very business oriented, very entrepreneurial and say, Hey, how could we, uh, build a for-profit model here and let them go to town? You know, I mean, let them come back to you with some ideas. So if you know, if you're an executive director and you say, you know what, it's not my bag. I'm not really good at this, this for-profit idea. Um, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't have to say yes or no right now, but you know, I know John, not you, let's say Tom, I know Tom and he's, you know, built some other companies. Maybe he could come up with some ideas on how we could, you know, build this for-profit model. That's, I would think that could be another alternative. Yeah. And I also see a lot of a lot of these amazing executive directors that, you know, just get burnt out because it does get taxing. Oh yeah, sure. And always being broke, you know, it's just, it's it's difficult for that nonprofit. So, you know, again, it's, it's a, 
it's an investment and it's something that, that I, it, you'd be surprised at how much pushback I get when I say to executive directors that incorporate a for-profit model and, and have it all go back to your mission. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're, you know, turning into a for-profit capitalist or whatever, <laughs> just, you know, it'll just help you, you know, get to get to the next level so that you can focus on the life-saving stuff rather than I was finding, you know, before I really started all of this, I was finding I was raising money and, and volunteering for, for not-for-profits and it, it was taxing because you're like, people really don't, they want to give, but at the same time, you know, they're, if they get something back, it's always a better thing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some benefits to it, but um, yeah, partnering with somebody is key. Yeah. I guess the other thing, I mean, you really bring up a good point with the, with the culture of uh, nonprofits, the, the culture of the idea that anything that is a for-profit model is the devil. Right. 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 And I, you kind of, you kind of have to first, you know, I, you know, I, I think I would say is, uh, listen, I, I know a ton of business owners and business people and they, you know, they are good people. <laughs> They're good oh, people. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? and, and smart and innovative. And, but there is, there's, there is, a, there's a huge divide that I would love to, to kind of bridge that gap in the fact that I, you know, like you said it, there people that are, 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 uh, money driven are not uh, the capitalistic person that you need to avoid. It's somebody that you know can you can utilize to your advantage and make you a stronger nonprofit to make your mission even you know expand further. Yeah, even so, that what I've seen too is how um, there's a reluctance to apply any type of lessons that I learned in the for-profit uh, uh, business world to the nonprofit business world outside of what we're talking about today. You know, like I just did a podcast with a guy who, you know, uh, he's an accountant, uh, works for a, a good size accounting firm, which they specialize in w working with uh, nonprofits. And his, his, his podcast was um, outsourcing um, and, uh, you know, the outsourcing to make your uh, nonprofit better. And the very first thing that he had to say is, I'm not talking about outsourcing that's going overseas to uh, to you know other countries. I'm talking about you know outsourcing parts of your operation to people in the United States who are you know who right. do, can do it better, like an accountant, right? right? You know, like a shared bookkeeper, like a shared CFO. You know, and so you you know the, the idea. What I'm trying to say here is he had to caveat it because the word outsourcing is is considered a for profit principle. Exactly, exactly. And I and I even and I outsource a lot of hours to with other with of all a lot of our other for profit. You know, with Lisa and Ken's restaurants and with my consulting business, and you know, and it's it like economies of scale works and has been around forever because it works, you know? And so yeah. anyway, and again, like you said, and you were right, any way to get the job done, you know, come hell or high water, I think, you know, let's all work together. And I think that's the other thing, you know, that, that nonprofits need to get over as far as a stigma. And that's, you know, the, the competition, you know, if, if we have like missions, then obviously we're competing for donors and, and we have to, you know, not, 
you know, be very competitive and, and our IT needs to be, you know, strictly confidential. And honestly, the more I'm, you know, I'm all about the more the merrier. And, and so economies of scale, like missions, helping each other. So um, I think that's another stigma that we can break down, you know, when it comes to nonprofits, but it's probably another conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, it's a it's a delicate subject, especially for me. You know, uh, I'm, I'm this in, you know incredible capitalist who you know <laughs> works with nonprofits, and I you know listen, I I love what I do for a living. I really have a a belief that I, I had personal experiences in working with banks, um, and 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 having an uh, not to belabor it, but. I love what I do for a living. I think that providing a line of credit um, to nonprofits and small businesses who can't get it at, at, at banks, uh, really they can't, uh, is, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm really providing a good s- service. And that's, that's not really my point. My point being is that uh, I don't, I, I wonder if nonprofit executive directors um, have, they, I know they have that passion for their cause. But I don't know if they understand, like in my business, where uh, I'm competing against lots and lots of other companies um, that, uh, you know, I, do, I wonder if the, the executive directors understand that they're competing for grants and they're competing for people's dollars and, and that it is, you know, it is a competitive industry, nonprofit. <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I have to say thank you to, to your amazing institution because when we were trying to scout around and, you know, I, I run a lot of money through a lot of different financial institutions. And, and when I was going through to get this, you know, letter of credit and line of credit, it, it everyone said no and shut me down. And, and, and you guys were able to do that. And not only did it help in a time of need, but now I'm going to be able to use that now that I... I'm not in such a time of need and I'm, I've got the show coming out and I've, I'm going to be economically much more feasible. I, it, it's great to be able to now be able to even expand that line of credit. And then more things that the, the, that the organization can do as far as making money on a for-profit for the not-for-profit. So I, I thank you for being the only institution um, that was able to, to help us out. So I appreciate, well, I appreciate that, John. Thank you. Um, we, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good feeling that what I do. So I, I, I like it. Um, so, you know, on that note, where, where do you think you're headed next, John, with, uh, with uh, Vanderpump Pets and, and where do you think you're headed next? Um, you know, I, I really just fending for ourselves and, and, and making sure that the, the, through this pandemic is, it has really opened our eyes because, um, you know, we had to really resort and rely on our for-profit model because uh, we couldn't have our events. We couldn't have our gala. And so we were kind of at a, at a, at a insurmountable uh, barricade for a while. And so what we did is we, uh, you know, closed our doors for a little bit and we really relied on our online and our logistics. And we have grown our, our online um, division immensely. So, uh, you know, it's a perfect kind of, ending to, to our conversation and the fact that our for-profit model on the not-for-profit has really uh, been our surviving uh, element. Because like I said, we were making about $650,000 a year between our events, which that literally was shut down. Uh, last wow. Year. That's unbelievable. So, 
Mm-hmm. So we spent that, uh, you know, we spent that time that we would normally be working for the gala and working for our World Dog Day and all of our, our monthly events. We said, okay, our doors are shut. Let's get this logistics done and let's uh, do an online shop and really put everything that we sell downstairs online and build a logistics department. And so really, I think that's what we're going to do for 2021. Make sure that our for-profit model of the not-for-profit is really um, is working perfectly so that when we are able to do our events, gosh, we might even be 100% self-sufficient so that our events and our, our donors really is gravy, uh, you know, on top of the, on top of the, the cake there. So um, really, I think 2021 is going to be focused on, on working on our for-profit model, um, really, and, and, and making sure that that's impenetrable so that, uh, you know, in case or when we can start doing events, that's just extra. Yeah, and I can imagine. It just seems that um, I, I thought that the hottest thing going on right now is every everybody in the last year has been getting pets. Oh yeah, our adoption numbers went. That would that was that was the only good thing I would say would, that happened because of the pandemic. The definitely yeah adoption numbers tripled, and the city and county shelters are were basically vacated. Yeah. So, so that was a, that was wonderful news, and um, and yeah, and, and we're just happy that we were able to stay open and, and be one of those essential businesses that could provide because you know dogs do provide so much of an emotional support, and especially during this time when people are alone, they're at home, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's insurmountable to have that dog's waggy tail when you're coming home from work. Yeah, and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my amazing beagle, who is two and a half years old, who uh, I got from a shelter um, that I got got her when she was a puppy, and she is. Uh, I've had a number of dogs throughout my life, and she is by far my the best dog I have ever had, and she is just amazing. She is so chill for a beagle. She never never barks. And, uh, we also have four parakeets and a gecko and, you know, like everybody else, I work out of my house, uh, uh, because of COVID and they, those pets have been just a, a, a breath of fresh air for, for us uh, and my family. So oh, um, yeah. I, I love what you're doing, John. It's really cool. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful talking to you. And again, I really want to emphasize to the viewers how I'm so appreciative of, you know, you and the, and the work that I've done with you and your financial institution, because it is um, for you to recognize the model that we have is, is rare in financial institutions. So I appreciate you for your innovative forward thinking. Well, you're welcome. You need to say that, John, but thank you anyway. So um, I would like to thank so very much, uh, John Sessa, for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free uh, to share it with a friend and also subscribe to your favorite podcasting app. Uh, uh, If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. The uh, nonprofit MBA uh, podcast has been uh, a you know, real success. There wasn't really much out there that was really helping people from a podcast standpoint who work at nonprofits. And our guests have been, like John, have been fantastic. Um, if you're interested in getting a line of credit, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Or you can also give us a call at 862-207-4118. John, if, uh, if, if people want to reach you, how would they suggest, how would you suggest they reach out to you? Yeah, so um, my email is john, J-O-H-N, at vanderpumpdogs.org. 
or uh, my social is Dr. John Sessa. Um, and you can reach me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Dr. John Sessa. Great. And, uh, you know, I, I say this at the end of every podcast and I, uh, I mean it sincerely. Uh, it's been a tough, uh, go the past year and a half, uh, for many different reasons. And I want to thank you all for making the world a better place. We all need to do uh, our part and do a better job. And you guys are on the forefront. So thank you for doing what you do. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Bye-bye.